Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice from the Numbers, the conclusion to our three-part series on a hypothetical expansion team entering the NFL. Finally. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller. And we're just going to jump straight into things. Today might be a short one since we spent so much time on the build-up to it. We have only got to cover what actually our expansion team is going to look like. So we're going to get straight into it. Yes. And uh, Corwin, since this is this is this is your baby, my baby, where would you like to start us off? So this is the 2019 expansion team, the Portland Beaver Tails, formerly the San Antonio Roughnecks, but Portland Beaver Tails is such a more fun name. Um, <laughs> just the tail of the beaver. So let's just start on the left side. You want to go offense first? Just roll right through it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go position by position. At quarterback, all right. So before we dive into it, let's uh, let me just clarify some things first. Um, just to reiterate, each team protected eight offensive, eight defensive players, or fifteen players total. If you wanted to mix and match or include special teams players um, for this expansion team, I included all positions um, outside of long. I didn't include a long snapper because you don't that need to. literally doesn't matter. Um, sorry, any long snappers that are listening, but you don't matter. Um, and then I selected one player, uh, exactly one player from every team. So we will have a 32 man roster here in reality. Of course, there would need to be, uh, 53 and then probably multiple picks from each, from certain teams, whatever it is. Fuck it. That's enough um, players. The, the, those last 20-some-odd players, you get yeah. some of them through the dra- regular draft, mm-hmm. which would happen after this, and you can get the rest through free agency or maybe, like you said, a second pick from some teams. Right. It wouldn't be enough to worth really Plus, spend too much time on. That would have added like a ton of other layers that I didn't want to get into on this yeah, not worth it. who teams around. would protect. So let's start off with quarterbacks. We started off um, pretty easily um, with... with, with I'm sorry, guys. We are recording all of these back-to-back, so I've just been talking for like two and a half hours straight, so this is going to be a a hard time to get through this. I apologize. Pretty easy pick to start off the quarterbacks with Jacoby Brissett of the Colts. Had one year of starting experience with them uh, and was very, very good um, with what he was given. Former uh, mid-round pick of the Patriots came over uh, and has been a backup this past season but out of everyone in the NFL who uh, was available he is by far the best option at quarterback still young and can be on your team for a very long time but could also be there in a uh, backup role if you do wish to go quarterback with the second overall uh, draft pick which is what this team would get in the NFL draft but I think he's a great place to start off this team and build around His backup, Mike Glennon, which I misspelled in this Excel sheet, but who cares? Mike Glennon of the Raiders, uh, mostly because the Raiders don't have anyone else to offer, really. And I figured, why not give him a backup? I wasn't planning on it, but the Raiders suck and needed somebody from them. Um, So I also included PFF grades um, just because I did have to use PFF to really look at offensive linemen just because it's the one position I do not know how to grade um, between eye test and counting statistics. Um, So I will give that disclaimer. 
So I decided just to go through and give off PFF grades of uh, all these players that we selected for this team. Um, I will say I do understand the drawbacks of PFF. I know we mentioned it, I think, in the NFC episode. Um, it's not perfect. We don't know exactly how their algorithm works for different positions, but it's really the only numerical grading system that we can use for different positions, and it's just what we have. Um, so if you want to take these grades with a grain of salt, I know a lot of people do, and I wouldn't blame you. This, like we talk about with other statistics, this is just one piece of the puzzle, and it's just one, st one thing that we're going to offer. It would just be too much to dig through all of their statistics for all these different things. So, Jacoby Brissett had a PFF grade in his starting season of a 75.2. Um, I didn't want to give him give up last year's grade just because he played like 20 snaps, 20 snaps or something ridiculous that just wasn't not enough wasn't clear for yeah. what his actual skill was and then mike glennon who actually has never been a starting quarterback no, i didn't backup. realize that uh, no but uh, he um he started like the first four games for chicago right Before it, they, it they wasn't even that him. it was like two games yeah because he was awful yeah and he had to get pulled but i think he was technically going into the season considered the starting quarterback until he just sucked so much ass yes um but his last year was 57.5 in limited snaps, which, Fair. again, Fuck backup quarterback, he would be good to uh, really be there to really take, if you were to go young quarterback or if Brissett was hurt, he could be that guy that steps up. You just don't expect a lot from him. Um, so he's really not a bad option at all to be a backup quarterback. don't expect a lot from him either. Oh, Yo, God. he's disappointing. <laughs> fucking a let's move on to wide receivers who surprisingly a lot deeper than i thought we were going to get this is actually a very good group of wide receivers uh, there are four of them um and this is something that i would say if a real nfl team had this they'd probably be you know they wouldn't have a superstar wide receiver on their team but they would have a good receiving core Let's start off with Robert Woods of the Rams, um, who was absolutely phenomenal last year, had an 86.4 grade on PFF, uh, excellent size possession receiver, um, really is good on the outside. I'm sure the Rams would have absolutely loved to keep him, but just didn't have that room. So Robert Woods, excellent to be our X receiver. Excuse me. All right, we're back. Next, we have Curtis Samuel, speedster from the Panthers. Had a 71.5 grade last year. A guy I really predict is going to break out this year. Um, just never had the opportunity. Um, has just taken his time to break out. Uh, he has the skill set, I believe, to be a serious downhill threat. The Panthers, I wanted them to go more of a offensive line protecting cam newton focus so i didn't keep curtis samuel but he was another very easy pick for this team next we have danny amendola older veteran with the lions only had a 66.3 grade with the dolphins last year but could be very good for this team as a number three possession receiver um i love what he could bring lions didn't have a ton of options around so getting danny amendola i think is a win and then you could say the same thing with the Dolphins pick here and Kenny Stills. 
never quite lived up to his talent um, and athleticism. He had a 64.7 grade, if you give a shit at all. But as a number four receiver, I think this is great considering he's likely the Dolphins' number two or three receiver in reality this year. Anything you want to say about the uh, wide receiver group? Uh, not really. Um, these are all dudes who I, are, are recognizable, at least by name, which is going to be beneficial for potential new fans for this team, mm-hmm. as well as that means that they've all had some level of success at some point during their careers. Um, obviously less than the people who are protected, but, you know, still which means that the they could operate fine under the leadership of Jacoby Brissett and could also be very easily replaced by someone who was drafted or acquired in free agency. Right. So, this is a good this is a good group to have. Yes. An even better group is the running backs. Starting off with Chris Carson of the Seattle Seahawks, absolute bruiser of a back, had an 84.3 grade last year. In my opinion is the better back in the Seattle um, running back room. But when you draft a first-round pick, uh, when you draft a first-round running back last year, you probably are going to give him the uh, benefit of the doubt and have him be your guy of the future, especially when they have very similar skill sets. Chris Carson, welcome to the Portland Beaver Tales. Um, going to be a very good player in the future, I believe. So good thing to have him here. And then we have Chris Thompson of the Redskins. Nice little scat back receiver. Was absolutely phenomenal when healthy the past two years. Had an 87.2 grade. I think he complements Chris Carson super well. Um, is a guy who can play three downs when needed. Um, but these guys are a very good tandem. Uh, running back is definitely one of the stronger areas of this team. Anything you got to say? No, not really. We've addressed pretty much each of these guys as we talked about their teams for the reason as to why they were not protected. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, running back is, is a position we spent a lot of time talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's really anything left productive to say about them as other individuals mm-hmm. or a group. As far as tight ends are concerned, we have two very young, very good second-year players in Dallas Goddard of the Eagles and Mark Andrews of the Ravens with a 75.5 and 73.6 grade, respectively. Both guys where I guarantee you the teams who drafted them last year would very much like to keep them, but both have guys who are either uh, much better currently or are just higher draft picks from the same class that they would just prefer to pick up. So the Portland Beaver Tails get lucky here and get two tight ends that very much should be kept on their original teams and performed very well last year. Both have very bright bright futures ahead of them. So just another out-of-the-park home run for this expansion team. Next, we have fullback, which doesn't matter all that much. We have Patrick DeMarco from the Bills, mostly because the Bills didn't have much else to offer. Um, it's true. Former pro bowler, uh, didn't have a great year last year, had a 56.5 grade on PFF. But again, I don't know how that works. And as a fullback, I don't know how you have a good grade or a bad grade. I honestly tried to go through and think of good fullbacks and look at their grades and none of them really were all that high. So I think this is just, a the fact that he's a fullback and doesn't get the ball much. 
So yeah, that's your fullback for you. No, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a All fullback right. on this team because that's it. And the <laughs> Bills a had a Pro Bowl <laughs> fullback, and not because this team needs it. It's really that simple. Next, we have offensive line. This was something I tried to focus on early. Uh, really tried to find teams who had good, uh, good unprotected offensive linemen that I could take advantage of and build a just even an average offensive line here. Uh, nothing crazy. At, so we're just going to go through this left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. So we have Matt Khalil from the Texans, who did not play last year, but in 2017 had an 83.7 grade. Forrest Lamp of the Chargers, who was a second-round pick two years ago, but has only played 16 snaps over the course of his career due to injuries, so does not have an accurate PFF grade, so I'm just not even going to say it. Wes Schweitzer of the Falcons, who typically plays right guard, but seeing as there are not many good unprotected centers because of how important it is, we are moving him from right guard to center. He had a 63.6 grade. Christian Westerman of the Bengals had a 79.8 grade as our right guard. And then Chris Hubbard, former Steeler, but is currently a Brown. Um, didn't play much last year, so only had a 65.1 grade, but was very good for the Steelers. Very highly regarded by Mike Munchak, who is uh, far and away the best um, offensive line coach in the NFL. Um, so I have him as our right tackle. And I think as far as this exercise this this problem we were facing is concerned an excellent offensive line compared to options that uh, we could have had very much so um a couple young players in lamp westerman and hubbard a couple veterans in khalil and schweitzer i think that's a nice mix to have um 100 you know having some this is a good veterans unit. uh veteran and especially uh Former, you know, pro bowlers like Matt Khalil there to really uh, hold this group together. Chemistry is so important for offensive lines. So I think uh, this is a major victory for this team here. Um, so, yeah, that's it for the offense. Any other thoughts you want to say about that before we move on to defense? No, this is this is um, a well-rounded offense. It's not exactly a powerhouse offense. And no, I'd say this is probably... Um, a middle-of-the-pack offense overall, but that's better than can be said for 15 other teams in the middle of the pack, and but for an expansion team, it's pretty fucking good. You know what? If they go out and in the draft, if they go after a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, or Jake Herbert next year, I think this could be a powerhouse team. Sure, or if they make uh, trades for um, getting rid of some of their younger talent for uh, to a team mm -hmm. that's looking for... Like, uh, stockpile of young dudes in exchange for a, a marquee player. Like you could trade. Like the Giants got rid of Vodell Beckham for. I mean, mm -hmm. that's also very conceivable to upgrade this offense. So, like, if you went into the draft um, this next year now and drafted a quarterback at number two, you could trade Jacoby Brissett and just keep Mike Glennon, get some picks there or get some players there. You could trade Robert Woods for some serious um, uh, draft picks. You could possibly trade Chris Carson if you needed to, but I would actually prefer to keep him. You could trade one of Goddard or Andrews, who have already proven that they have what it takes to be a good tight end in the league. You have players on offense you can move to get draft capital. You know, you could draft a quarterback at two. You could get a, a, 
a wide receiver in the second round like this year. I mean, next year's class is so loaded at wide receiver. There's truly, genuinely, fucking redundant, stupid uh, sentence right there. Um, there are like five number one wide receivers in next year's class. It's tremendous. So you could trade Robert Woods and get even better in uh, that wide receiver group. All right, let's get into this defense. All right. So this is loosely a 3-4 defense. Um I went heavy with defensive backs, and uh, I tried to do the best I could with defensive line and edge rushers, Um, but we'll just go into it. This would change depending on the defensive coordinator and the system that they have. Um, This is a much, this would be a much bigger variance depending on the defensive system compared to the uh, offensive players we have there. But let's start it off with Xavier Rhodes and the corner grab, cornerback group. Um, I'm not going to list his 2018 grade because it was such an off year for him. He was an 83.9 rated player in 2017, which I know that's just, you know, picking and choosing stats. But fuck it. They're my stats. I can say what I want. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. He's such a good player. It would be ridiculous not to pick him. He's a yeah. former All-Pro. Absolute leader on this defense. Next... I have Titans cornerback because there are two really, really good options. You could either go with Logan Ryan or Malcolm Butler. So Logan Ryan, former pro bowler, Malcolm Butler, former all pro. Both of these guys are excellent options. In all, Logan Ryan had a 71.6 grade while Malcolm Butler had a 67.1 grade last year. I personally am torn here which is why i listed both logan ryan is a little younger than butler uh, but butler had such a bad first half of the season and such an amazing second half i feel like he could reproduce that second half easily especially since it's more on par with what he's been especially since the super bowl with how good of a uh, player he has been so that's a toss-up. I'll give that to the listeners to decide which one they would prefer more. Mm, excuse me. Next, we have Prince of Mukamara from the Bears, who had an 81 grade last year. He's a little bit older, but he's still a very good um, cornerback, which I think would uh, really add to allowing this team to perform early on in their existence. Uh, and then we're closing out this cornerback group with Carlton Davis, He's going to be our nickelback from the Buccaneers. Had a 61.2 grade last year, but it's the Buccaneers. We're lucky we're getting anybody from them. I (laughs) I originally was only going to do three cornerbacks and just was going to have a little disclaimer saying we literally didn't use the Bucs because there was no one worthy of anything there. But I was like, fuck it. Let's just use all 32 teams. Yeah, I feel you. So Carlton Davis, you are uh, Mr. Irrelevant in this exercise. There you go. At strong safety, we have Morgan Burnett of the Packers. Uh, had a down year last year with the Steelers. Had a 66.7 grade. Packers actually didn't have a whole lot to choose from, and there weren't a whole lot of strong safeties uh, available, uh, except for teams that just had significantly better players for me to pick in better, more important positions. So Burnett is just who we're going to go with. Um, he's going to be one of the weaker players on this defense, but that's fine. Um, 
At free safety, like I said, we have Jimmy Ward, uh, absolute athletic freak. Had a 55.2 grade last year, which I don't understand. Yeah, that's weird. Um, but I love him as a player. I think he's going to be one of the young leaders of this defense. Uh, so I think I still count that as a win despite the grade. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, inside linebackers, as this is a 4-3, there are two. We have Alex Anzalone, who is a second-round pick last year out of Florida from the Saints. He had a 68.9 grade. Honestly, I was really stuck between him and Demario Davis for the Saints because of how deep that Saints defense is. Um, but because of Demario Davis's history of being a bit of a better player since he broke out and Anzalone's uh, very warranted injury history, um, I decided to keep Demario Davis. Um, and, I mean, Angeloni was a very good player at Florida. He was very good last year. He's still very young, as you might expect from a guy drafted last year. So I think this is very good. He's going to be paired up with Jamie Collins of the New England Patriots. Um, again, he has been a pro bowler. I don't know if he's been an all-pro yet in his career, but he's a very good player. Uh, a guy Bill Belichick loves, which means everyone should love him because he is smarter than all of us. Um, I think this is a very strong inside linebacker core to make up for the fact that our outside linebackers aren't all that great, mostly because we have Bud Dupree there uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers actually had a lot of options to choose from. Could have gone Terrell Davis, could have gone Matt uh, Feeler or Chuck's... Uh, uh, Okumafor, I think it's pronounced. Um, there was a lot of options there, but Bud Dupree, he's able to put up seven or eight sacks a year, and that's good enough for a team where outside linebacker is a dime a dozen, and not a lot of teams were really allowing anyone uh, who was any decent at edge rusher to get out. Um, so Bud Dupree there to match up with Dwayne Smoot. Josh, if you saw how Dwayne was spelled, how would you think to pronounce that? Dwayne. Uh, D apostrophe W-A-Y-N-E. Um, I see how it's spelled. Right. That's this how is I just a very oddly spelled name. It's D-A-W-U-A-N-E. I struggled. I looked up how to pronounce his name because I really couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah, and once da I heard that it was da, 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 da is how I would say it because yeah. I I would over Africanize the fuck out of it. <laughs> um, well, you're lucky he is in fact black, but he comes over from the Jaguars, who was just kind of an odd man out on that absolutely loaded defense. Had a 71.6 grade last year. Never really had an option to uh, get that many snaps in, um, but. I think he could produce something for this team desperate for edge rusher. So those are all of our linebackers. At defensive end, we have Derek Wolf of the Broncos, who has been a very consistent player for them for his entire career. 75.8 grade to match up with good old Robert Quinn, now of the Cowboys, who had a 69.9 grade last year. Nice. Um, two veteran defensive ends who are not going to be asked to produce a whole ton. Just kidding. They're going to be asked to do everything because our outside linebackers suck. But I think uh, all four of those edges, edge rushers and defensive end, 
um, will be able to do something. Um, thankfully, they have very good defensive backs to make up for that lack of pass rush. And then to close out this defense, we have a f- couple defensive tackles. Uh, both of them are nose tackles. Um, so we're just going to have some depth at nose tackle here. Steve McClendon of the Jets, who we talked about in the AFC uh, episode, had a 78.5 grade for the Jets. But he is 33 years old. So we're going to have a young second-year player in Jer- uh, Derek Nadai of the Chiefs, who I did find a player to replace Damian Williams. Um who I had both picked as a running back depth piece and to be protected by the Chiefs, um, who had a 68.7 grade. Uh, He was a mid-round pick last year, so he has a lot of room to grow. um, And that's our defense. you have any thoughts on that? Uh, This defense is, I think, like most defenses, where it's just kind of up and down depending on the unit. None of of it stands out as being especially horrible. Yeah, Um, which is saying a lot for... An expansion team. It really is, which we'll get to in a moment. But, yeah, this seems like a serviceable team, uh, uh, or I should say a team full of serviceable players, depending on how you want to structure them. It's it's not the greatest defense in the NFL. I think it might be lower end of the pack. I think it's going to be below average when it comes out to it just because of the lack of just pressure that they're going to be able to put on the quarterback. But the fact that they have two 2017 All-Pro players is kind of a big deal uh, at cornerback on both sides, uh, two lockdown corners. So I think that will more than make up for that lack of pass rush. We're going to close out with some special teamers because the Giants and Cardinals had nobody else to offer. At kicker, we have Aldrich Rosas from the Giants, who doesn't have a PFF grade because why would he? And Andy Lee of the Cardinals. Um, I looked this up, not on PFF, just like searching around the web. Both are considered top 10 at their positions around the league. Sure, so why not? Why not? They need to fill those positions. So sure, might as well take it from teams that have nothing else going for them. Um, so that is the Portland Beaver Tales in 2019 after this expansion draft. Overall, is there anything you want to say about this? Uh, which conference would you put them in? AFC or NFC? Uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, just out of curiosity. Um, well, they have a very even split between AFC and NFC players. Um, be in Portland, so they'd be a good competitor for the Seahawks. So I guess you'd want to put them in the NFC. Yeah, I'd say put them in the NFC. Where do you see them finishing in the NFC if this season were to take place? Um, like, if you say overall, I would say... Let me actually pull up NFC standings just so I could really visually see where things would stand in the standings. Just kind of killing some time while this page <laughs> loads. <laughs> yep. Words, words, words. Filling it with fluff. All right. So... Teams, I think, would finish ahead of them. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, Redskins, Bears, Vikings, Packers, Lions, Saints, Falcons, Panthers, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers. I think I'd put them fourth last. I think I'd put them ahead of the Cardinals, Buccaneers, and Giants. Okay, that's fair. Um, And if we... Yeah, I think... uh, I think their biggest competition would be uh, the Arizona Cardinals. 
Um, maybe the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the biggest difference is quarterback play. I think it comes down to all of it for these three teams. All right, Corwin. I'm now going to read you who the Cleveland Browns selected in the 1999 expansion draft. And I just want you to give me a quick yes or no. If I know Do who these you know are. who this player yeah, okay. is? Okay. I'm excited. You ready? No, but I'm I'm going to do my best. Jim Pine. No. Hervin McCormick. No. Scott Reberg. No. Damon Gibson. No. Steve Gordon. No. Tarek Saleh. No. Jeff Buckley. No. Jason Kyle. No. Rod Manuel. No. Lenoy Jones. No. Tim McTyler. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish I have, but no. Elijah Alexander. No. Pete Swanson. No. Jerome Williams. No. Marlon Forbes. No. Justin Armour. No. Paul Wiggins. No. Dwayne Butler. I don't think so, no. Uh, Fred Brock. Yes. Wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Corey Blackwell. No. Kevin Devine. No. Raymond Jackson. No. Jim Bundren. No. Ben Cavill. No. Michael Blair. Running back from the Green Bay Packers. Yes. Antonio Anderson. No. Orlando Bob. Sorry, Orlando Bobo. Wow, what a name. Orlando, Orlando Bobo. Bobo. No. Orlando Bobo. Um, so I just looked up Fred Brock. He is not the man I was thinking of, so I do not know him. Okay. And you don't know Orlando Bobo. What was the other guy? What was the running back's name? Blair? Uh, Michael Blair, running back from the Green Bay Packers. That's All where right. they took him from. Okay. Uh, James Williams. I don't think so, no. Scott Milinovich. Yes. Quarterback from the Tampa Buccaneers? Yes. Cool. Eric Stokes. Um, Sa- safety from the uh, Seattle Seahawks. No, I can't say I do. Ronald Moore. Ronald Moore sounds familiar. Running back from the Miami Dolphins. Um, yeah. Clarence. Oh, I know Scott Milanovic as a coach. Oh, yeah, he was a quarterback <laughs> that was, that was oh, drafted. Yeah. No, he's the Jags quarterback coach. Clarence Williams. Uh, no. Freddie Solomon. Uh, Fred Solomon. Wide receiver taken from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I don't think so. Brandon Sanders. No. Mike Thompson. No. Jerris McPhail. I just looked up Freddie Solomon. He played wide receiver, running back, and quarterback. That's a lot. Yeah, but no, I do not know him. Finally, taken 37th in the expansion draft from the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, Antonio Langham. So out of the 37 players, you knew two of them? I think I knew like two or three of them. Yeah. I could very easily be thinking of someone else. How many wins do you think this 1999 Cleveland Browns walked away from the season with? I'd assume zero if I didn't know that they... I know they didn't get zero. How many do think they got? Uh, I'm still going to say zero. Two. Wow. The following year, 2000, how many do think they got? Like one. Three. Wow. The year after that, 01. Um, five. Seven. 
Yeah. The year after that, they got nine and actually made the playoffs. And that was the last time they made the playoffs. Well, that was after then. they got Tim Couch, too, right? I think so. Yeah. But legit, they have not made the playoffs since 2002. That is one of the only two winning seasons this franchise has had since they were reborn in 1999, uh, solely joined by the 2007 10 win Cleveland Browns. I hate when people talk about the Browns and like their celebrated history and group them the two together because it's not the same team. The Browns of old are the current Baltimore Ravens. They just rebranded themselves when they moved to Baltimore. The well, they were sued for that name. Right, but it's still the same front office, the same players, all that same shit. Yeah. They were just rebranded. I get why they've maintained the why they 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 group the Browns legacy. Pretty much everyone does. It's yeah, it's the name, including the, you know, uh, it's the, the pro name, football reference colors, page I'm looking at yeah. right now. But it's, yeah, it's a different team. Like you can't look at the success of these two teams and say that they are connected. Uh, I get it. I I, I do, but it's I, just, I understand. It's just your one point of those too. things that nobody cares about that I feel very strongly about. Regardless. Um, yeah, so based on those previous draft rules that we that we gave way back in the first episode of this, where teams only had to expose five players, and then right. after one player got taken from them, they could protect two more, right. I'm not surprised that this team has I'd, never had success. I don't know how I could have done this if there was only five players exposed from their 53-man roster. You would just pick the five worst players possible. But it would just end up being five players I don't know. Exactly. So I couldn't even do it, like, honestly. Yeah. I, I would just be a- guessing. It seems like like the um, uh, what's the guy the um president of football? What's Robert Goodell. For? Yeah, the Goodell of whatever this this was. It wasn't Roselle. Oh, it was uh, was it? Pete? Are you sure it wasn't Pete Roselle? I thought there was someone between Roselle and Paul Tagliabue. Uh, maybe. Yeah, Paul Tagliabue was the uh, last guy. But it seems like whoever was the was the head of the NFL really wanted there to be another team, and the owners are like, okay. And then the head of the NFL was like, all right, but now you guys have to give up players. And the owners were like, no, no. Why do we have to do that? Yeah, he and was he was a commissioner from 89 to 2006, Paul Tagliabue. That makes sense then. He's not highly regarded. Uh, shocking, based on how he fucked the Browns. I'm like, yeah. this explains so much to me. It's so much. But, yeah, I think that you did a great job with this. Um, I think you, you put a lot of really cool work into it. And that the team you ended up coming out with, the rating expansion team, is really quite good, for all things considered. They wouldn't have a Vegas-like run, because what Vegas did for the NHL was quite literally historic, and is going to try to be prevented going forward by the NHL, um, based on their new expansion draft rules. But I think that what you did here was uh, really quite a feat. So, as we were talking about it, I was looking up uh, the past... Uh, commissioners of the NFL. So it's only been a few, right? Right. So it's Roger Goodell since 2006, Paul Tagliabue from '89 to 2006, and it was um, Pete, Pete Rozelle from '60 to '89. Yeah, he was there forever. Which I love, Pete Rozelle. Everyone liked Pete Rozelle. Um, do you know who it was before Pete Rozelle? Was it someone I would know? No. All right, then no. Um. Okay, hold on. Uh, let me just make sure I get this right. So from January 1960, hold on. 
Oh, so he was interim National Football League commissioner uh, when they first combined in 1960. Okay. Uh, do you know what he was before that? So, like, he was in the NFL just, as just, the head just of... Just tell me. I'm not going to get this right. He was the fucking... Uh, he was an FBI agent that the NFL hired to lead their investigations department. And then they're like, all right, you can be interim commissioner while we vote for a real one. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Who is and it? Hear me his name. Oh, I said it was Austin Gunsel. No, you didn't. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Oh, that's my bad. I thought I started with that. Austin Gunsel. You have no idea who that is. Yeah, just a random fucking dude who, uh, he was investigative chair for four years. He was treasurer for four years. And then he was interim commissioner for like three months. <laughs> that's awesome. And then who followed him up? Pete Rosell. Oh, okay. And we've only okay. had three commissioners in the NFL since uh, its true founding. And the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have only had three coaches. Um, no, it's got to be more than three. Three. I'm about a, I'm about a school core when his own football team, his favorite sport. Like his favorite I knew team. there was only like three in the past, like eighty years, but I feel like there was more to begin with. Oh, I guess um, I don't know about the thirties. Yeah. Uh yeah, so it's been three since nineteen sixty nine. Since the uh since the expansion. There's been sixteen total. So go fuck. There yourself, was a Josh. bunch back then. Holy yeah, shit, that's so a like, ton. I thought you were gonna say, Oh, there was five. No, 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 no. So it was like thirty three had one coach, thirty four had a new coach, there was one for two seasons, there was another for three, there was another one for two, there was two and forty one. Uh the longest tenured coach. Yeah, the longest tenured coach before their uh, Chuck Knoll was like seven years. Nothing wild. Well, anyway, you did a hell of a job with this. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take my awards at the uh, end of the... Uh, at the potties? Series. Yeah, at the potties. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. If you guys want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter Ooh. at JuicingPod. If you guys want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And if you want... To check out all of the work Corwin did for this and any episode show notes from previous episodes, you can do so at juicingthenumbers.wixsite.com slash website. And until whatever day it is that we're next releasing an episode, y'all have a good one. Bye-bye.